Welcome to the Lernado podcast. I'm your host Rishi Mittal, the founder of Lernado, a new place for learning useful tech skills online. Now, whether you're already working in tech or looking to find your first job in tech, you can check out our free and premium courses on web development, making mobile apps, growing businesses, and many more useful skills. Our website is lernato.com. That's l e a r n e t t o.com. Today I'm speaking to Lawrence Bradford, creator of the popular website Learn to Code with Me. Lawrence is a self-taught developer who helps other people learning to code by guiding them through the learning process and building an active community of learners. Let's hear her story. Hi Lawrence, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. It's really exciting uh, to have you on the show. I would like to start off by asking you to introduce yourself. Yeah, hi. My name is Laurence Bradford, and I have the site Learn to Code with Me. That's Learn to Code with dot me, and I basically help people who are teaching themselves how to code by putting together resources about where to learn and what to learn. And then I do some other things on the side. I'm the tech careers expert at about.com. And I also run a really active Facebook group called Newbie Coder Warehouse. And it's for people who are teaching themselves how to code. Great. Tell us a bit about your background. How did you, how did you get into, into this? Uh, where did you start? So after college, I wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I thought I wanted to go into economic development Uh, specifically in Asia, even more specifically in Southeast Asia. So after college, I moved to Thailand and I taught English for six months. And then I got a job afterwards um, at, at a think tank in Thailand. And it was doing what I thought I wanted to do. As it turns out, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So while I was working there, I began teaching myself how to code. I also had a lot of free time at this point um, after working on the weekends because all of my friends actually left Thailand. So I was alone at this point living by myself um, in Bangkok. So I had a lot of time. And one thing sort of led to another. And now here I am. It's almost uh, three years later. Um, so, so three years, that, that's how long you've been working on your website? Yeah. Oh, so not my website. That's how long I've been learning how to code for. Um, yeah, I, and, you know, there were a few times before I really sat down and started teaching myself how to code where I dabbled with WordPress. I also did some stuff with Magento, if anyone's familiar with that. It's a e-commerce CMS. Uh, so I did some of these things before, but then it's been about three years since I been teaching myself how to code. So what sort of areas have you focused on when you say learn to code? So initially I was kind of, uh, I I was a bit misdirected early on, which was part of the motivation of me starting the site. In fact, I tried learning a bunch of different things, a lot of trial and error. Um, I would start courses and not finish them. And then it took me a while to really realize what I enjoyed and what I wanted to do. And that's mostly uh, like in the front end of the front-end web development realm. I also know quite a bit about WordPress. So that's really the type of stuff that I am good at and specialize in. So, you know, HTML, CSS, some JavaScript, WordPress, and that's really just kind of what I do right now. I can write like PHP just because of WordPress. Like I know a bit about it and I know how to do stuff on the back end of WordPress sites, but I don't build like full scale applications on the front end and the back end and, you know, all that stuff. I really only look at the front end. But before I, I mean, I have taken courses and gone through books and stuff that talked about the back end, 
But then I realized that wasn't something I was as interested in. And I kind of chose the path to be more of a specialist than a generalist. I think, yeah, I know, I read on your about page that you did Python in the beginning. Python, yeah. So that was the first programming language I learned or tried to learn. Uh, I, I haven't, you know, used it in a while, but that was where I started. Okay, great. So tell us about the website specifically. At what point did you think, all right, I, you know, I need to start this website and how did, how did that come about? Yeah, so I had been learning kind of on and off for about a year at this point. And there had been a few times where I would get really frustrated and I would just stop learning altogether, maybe for, you know, two, three weeks or something. And then finally I was getting back into the swing of things again. And I thought a great way to help me uh, stay motivated and kind of hold myself accountable would be to start a blog and to write about it. And when I actually started the site, this was in very late April of 2014. So basically May 2014. And the first few months, that's what I did. But then over time, the blog evolved and it became less about me and more about other people and their journeys. And then uh, also just putting together resources and tips for people that are trying to figure out what to learn and where they should learn. Okay. And, and that's your current focus. Yeah. So it's not really documenting my own journey. It's more so about helping other people who are just starting out, um, teaching themselves how to code. Okay, great. And do you, do you have uh, other people writing for the site or is it just yourself? So I do have guest posts and I am very um, open to taking posts from all different kinds of people as long as it relates to coding and is at like a beginner, maybe the intermediate level. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, most of the content on the site is written by me. Okay, great. So what, what, what's your experience been with the site after when it became more than just a personal blog? How, how have people responded to it? Yeah, it's been, it's been doing really well, I guess. Uh, I, you know, when I first started out, I didn't have like a huge vision for the site or anything. Again, it was really more of a personal blog. And it's kind of funny if you go back and read some of my older posts, you can definitely sort of see that. And then you <laughs> see the switch over time. In fact, um, there's actually been some things I've deleted or I'm going to start deleting just because it's not on brand anymore. It's really kind of irrelevant and it doesn't really fit with the rest of the site. <laughs> Sorry, I, I digressed a little bit there, but that's a project that I'm working on right now is kind of going back and tweaking some of those things. Right, right. But yeah, so once I really started to make a shift in helping uh, other people and talking about the resources, not so much myself, my own journey, I really began to notice an increase in emails, um, you know, tweets, and really it was the emails that I would get from people. And I still get them from people saying, you know, oh, I have no idea what to do. And then I found your site and I feel so much more relieved now. And I feel like, you know, uh, more, there's, I have more of a path to follow and, so once I began getting those kinds of emails, I it, I was like, okay, this is something good that I should definitely keep pursuing because it is helping people. Yeah, sure. What's what's your reach? What's the site's reach now? How many followers or subscribers do you have? So right now I'm getting about uh, fifty thousand unique visitors a month. So yeah, you, I, I, I that's the metric I really like to use, just the unique visitors. I know with you know Google Analytics, there's a bunch you can look at. That's the main one that I really focus on. And then as far as uh, subscribers go, I just hit ten thousand really recently. Um, I think even last week. Email subscribers. Yeah, yeah. So. 
I I get pretty many every day now because I have things set up that kind of just is very automated, I guess you can say. Sure. Um, yeah, so really a lot of the subscribers have even come just in the last few months because when I first started the site, you know, I wasn't collecting email subscribers. Yeah, so to answer, to answer your question, 10,000 email subscribers and then about 50,000 unique visitors a month. That, that's that's a sizable audience. Um, do the audience help you decide what you write about? Yeah, so uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, content on the site that has been inspired by questions that people have asked me in the past. Or sometimes it's not just one person. It's a bunch of questions or similar questions that I keep getting. And I say, oh, okay, you know, maybe a blog post on this topic would be good. Mm-hmm. And now since, you know, I have been doing it for some time, I'm not just starting out. I have a lot better sense of uh, blog posts that would do well on the site versus ones that maybe wouldn't be as popular. Sure. Uh, of course, Yeah, of course, it's always experimenting and, you know, some things work, sometimes things don't work, yeah. but... Okay, great. So what, what sort of frequency, how often do you write on the site? So before, and this is before 2016, I wasn't very consistent. It's something that, you know, I should have started doing sooner. I just never really made that like a priority. I was looking at some other things. Mm-hmm. So I only would write once every four to six weeks. However, if you look at my posts, uh, most of them are very long, especially the newer ones. Um, I'm not sure the average word length, but definitely above 2,000 words. Okay. I have some that are like 4,500 words. Mm. And yeah, now I'm, and now I'm posting every other week. So twice a month. And I always post on a Wednesday. So it's every other Wednesday. And I hope to eventually bring that to uh, once a week. So four times a month. I want to um, dig a little bit deeper into sort of the motivation because the, what I found really interesting uh, about your site and why you know I contacted you to be on the podcast is I think your site is very unique in that it, it's very much focused on the students. Uh, you know, it addresses something which most other uh, sort of uh, learning sites ignore, which is about there's a lot of stuff out there, but like how do you actually use it? What what do you learn when? How do you go about that process? So um, yeah, I just want to sort of learn a bit more from you about how what specific problems. You you faced when you were learning and you know which is what informed your decision to make this site yeah so when you just said about how a lot of the sites out there the learning platforms or the courses and you know there, there's so many options nowadays a lot of them focus really just on the skills and you know teaching teaching the skills and technologies and not so much on the guidance or the help on you know what you sh- can do with those skills and what I find is I talk to a lot of people and I was one of these people when I first started out um, trying to learn like a hundred things at once. You know, I was like, oh, I'm going to learn this and I'm going to learn this and I'm going to learn this and, you know, all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's actually not the way to go about it at all. I think that you really need to think about what your end goals are and, you know, what you can learn to help reach those end goals. Cause to, because to me, coding is kind of like a means to an end, right? Mm-hmm. So say if you want to start your own startup, well then, if that's your goal, you know, you should probably learn a certain set of technologies based on that. Whereas if your goal is to get a full-time job as a UX designer, um, the things you would learn would be completely different. So kind of, you know, figuring out what your end goal is in reverse engineering. Now, of course, and I hear this all the time, a lot of people say, I, you know, I don't know what my end goal is. I'm unsure. Um, you know, something like that. And honestly, even if you're unsure, it's just better to pick something that you think you want to do because 
once you have that idea, it's so much easier to get a clear idea of what you it is you should be learning. So you're not learning, you know, 50 different things at once. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, I, I started learning program. Um, I think I, I just learned to see at the very beginning just because I wanted to see what it was all about. But that never stuck. The thing that stuck was I, I think finally I wanted to make a website. So I learned some basic HTML and CSS. This was like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe now. And yeah, that, you know, since then, I've, everything I've learned has been very sort of project based. Yeah, you know, picking up stuff because you have a specific goal in mind. Yeah, that's a great way to say a project based. And yeah, picking up things based on where those goals are. So, so yeah, so that's kind of like the way I think about it now. And I, try to, you know, I get emails to steer people in the right direction. But ultimately, you know, if a person is really dead set on learning, you know, Java, C++, JavaScript all at the same time, and, you know, 10 other things, yeah. that's that's their decision. But I think that it's really best to focus on one, you know, key thing at a time. At the moment, when you, are you, are you still learning new stuff? Uh, what kind of things, like, what's the latest thing you've learned in terms of yes. So I am learning a lot of stuff still. However, not so much that relates to coding or web development per se. Mm -hmm. uh, because again, I learn things now uh, based on what my goals are. So here's like a real life example of something. Um, I'm actually starting my own podcast uh, later this year, not until the spring. It's uh, my tentative launch date is April 26th. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I can, I can make that. That's a Tuesday. So in any case, uh, I okay, know nothing about podcasting. So I So I sign up for a podcast course and the podcast course is pretty intense. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and I'm learning a whole lot. So it doesn't relate to web development. However, I would argue that there there are certain parts of podcasting that are technical. I, I mean, maybe it's not, you know, writing code, but it's not, you have to use a computer, you know? I oh, still yeah. learn new things. Yeah, it's just, it's just goal oriented or project oriented. So I don't learn something new just to learn it. Like, I just, I'm completely honest, I don't really have time to do that anymore. And I think a lot of people learning to code, especially when they're, you know, maybe when you're still in college or you're fresh out of college, actually, like I was when I first started learning, I had a lot of time on my hands. Um, because I was alone in, in Bangkok without any friends or family. So I had all this free time. But I think for most people, that's not the case. You know, they have families, they have responsibilities, they have full-time jobs. And that's kind of how I feel now. So I only really learn things if I need to learn them to reach my goals. And you teach on your site in the form of blog posts. Do you, do you teach any courses yourself? So I have an ebook, and I could, um, I don't know if you're doing a show notes page for the podcast, but I could send you the link oh, yeah, absolutely. on the site so people can see what that's about. So my ebook, I, I wrote it in February. I think it came out in late February, if I'm recalling correctly. And that's all about using LinkedIn as a web developer and web or web designer. And then I also have a course. It's not available right now. I'm going to be um, reopening it okay. probably in May. And that's just specific to building a portfolio as a web developer. So it does have some technical components in it, but then it also talks about like content and laying out the site and, you know, just really very deep dive into building a portfolio site. 
So to answer your question, yes, I do have a course and I do have a book, but they're not um, the broad coding categories. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, my, my interest uh, in asking you that question was, um, I, I want to know from your point of view, because you've been on both sides of the point uh, as a student and a teacher, what what could be done better for online teaching platforms? Because, you know, here, here at Lernado, we you know, it's a very new platform and we're trying to do something differently, trying to focus on improving outcomes for both teachers and students. And so I'm, I'm really interested, interested to hear from your perspective how things could be better. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of like a hard question to answer because I think it really depends also on the person because people learn, you know, in different ways. Some people are visual, some are, um, I don't even know, I don't know all the words I forget, but I think auditory is one. So like, you know, through listening, other people have to like do things and that's how they learn the best. So I think that's definitely a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think having probably an online course that incorporates a lot of those different learning styles, so it's not just one, is the is the best approach to take. And another thing to also think about is the price point, right? Because there are some, you know, more affordable options online. And then there's also some uh, much higher priced options online. And I think for, you know, for a student um, paying 10, 20, 30 bucks for a course, you really can't have that high of expectations (laughs) because Mm -hmm. the financial investment really isn't that big. However, if you're paying for one of these more premium online coding boot camps that may be $500 a month or $1,000 a month or even some of them are like Mm $10,000, that then should definitely be way more comprehensive and, you know, have support, maybe have like a mentorship component or like a one-on-one like study group kind of component to it as well as like real life projects you could build and group projects and a whole you know slew of other things I think there's a lot of awesome resources out there you know Mm -hmm. and for the most part uh with my experience taking courses I'm trying to even think if there's ever been like a really bad experience I think the standard is pretty high generally I think in my experience when I've taken courses online um, I find so some of the platforms, uh, the focus is very much, you know, like just to sell you a course and then, um, there is no sort of re-engagement. Um, I, I don't know. I think they have some strict rules, some of them about teachers communicating with students. And so, you know, you drop out, you kind of, the, the actual completion rates are very low. Um, so that's something that I'm very aware of. And, and, you know, I know it's a very hard problem, but I really, I really like to, to crack that. So on, on the price point, uh, where does your course sit there? You know, you said there's a whole range from really cheap to really expensive. But how, how much do you charge for your course? Yeah, so for for the ebook that I mentioned before, that's just you know very low price point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's seven dollars. I I probably will increase the price eventually for that. Mm-hmm. However, that's kind of you know with the thing with ebooks is it's hard to charge a lot for ebooks because people are used to getting ebooks for five dollars or less on Amazon Kindle. So you know, sure. but yeah, with the course when I first launched it, again I I launched it only for a certain amount of time and then I closed it, and this was back in September. And I'm going I'm you know redoing the course slowly and then going to be relaunching it hopefully in May. So when I first launched it, the price point was $64.99. That was just like a one-time fee. It was not subscription or anything. And when I relaunch it, I'm not 100% certain yet, but I'll probably be charging $97 for the basic version. And then what I'm thinking about doing is then having... So there'll be like two different versions of the course, like the basic and the premium. And the premium would come with more um, you know, features mm-hmm. and maybe extra videos and maybe even like a one-on-one like Skype call with me or something to that effect. Okay. That, yeah, that I, I charge. 
significantly um, higher for them. So what, what format is this course? Is it an email course? Or so the course is videos, worksheets. Yeah, that's mostly it. It's okay. mostly videos and worksheets, and then you know some other like downloadable like lists and, and things like that. Okay, great. So, no, sounds good. I, I I look forward to it. You said it's reopening in May, right? Yeah, that's that's the plan. There, okay. I think I set a date of May sixteenth tentatively, but okay. that could definitely be pushed back a little bit or something. But yeah, hopefully in May it gets reopened. Um, so sort of coming back to your uh, website, learn to code with me. Where, where do you see taking this project in the future? What's your plan? What are your plans for it? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, uh, the rest of this year, you know, 2016, I definitely want to continue growing it. And when I say growing it, I mean, you know, keep writing content on the site and increasing the viewership and increasing the subscribers. Uh, I would also like to create some more products in the future. And these products maybe aren't going to be on the Learn to Code Me blog, but kind of like an offshoot. So the way I think about it is like Learn to Code Me is like the tree trunk. And then I have these things I'm starting to slowly add a little bit more that are kind of like, you know, the branches. So I have the ebook and then I have this course. I'm starting the podcast. However, the podcast will be on the Learn to Code Me site. That's not, you know, going to be separate. And then uh, I also, as I mentioned before, I have the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So I have these little things, but the Learn to Code Me is a home base. And I kind of would like to keep on building these other things that I'm creating off of Learn to Code With Me, as well as uh, Learn to Code With Me itself. And hopefully in the future, I could get into some more things. Like I'm really interested in the nonprofit space and doing more with encouraging uh, kids to learn to code. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I could do something that relates to that in the future as well. That sounds great. Yeah, that's a lot of lot of interesting things. Yeah, I I, I hope you, your site grows and grows in, in 2016. I'd love to know what your vision is for the future of sort of tech education, either online or in general, even offline. Yeah, so I guess in person, it depends on, you know, maybe where you live, but in, in my perspective is really, you know, based in the U.S. because that's where, you know, I'm from and that's what I'm most familiar with. Right now, there's a really big push to get computer science education in more schools because I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head and they do change, you know, every so often, but really um, computer science isn't offered in a lot of schools, you know, high schools and, and lower, you know, not at all. Uh, in my high school, we didn't even have a computer science, like there's a, an AP computer science course and we didn't even have that. I know some high schools do, but mine, mine didn't. So that would be awesome, exposing it to more people at a younger age. So then when they do get to college, they know that, you know, computer science or information technology is an option for them because I think, at least in my situation, because I never had exposure to it, I never even considered, you know, studying it in college or pursuing it in any way. Mm-hmm. It took me a really long time to even kind of like I kept reading about it in the news and the demand for people who um, know how to code. And finally, it all kind of clicked and then I began teaching myself. So I guess uh, as far as like the formal education goes, that's, you know, what I hope to see in the future. Uh, as far as online education goes, I mean, I I think things are going really well. There's new, like, learning sites popping up all the time. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, I think it's great when people have a lot of options. It can become overwhelming when you have so many options and then you don't know where to choose. But then that's why I have my site because I give people a smaller list of things to choose. And especially over email. When people email me their questions, I am like, 
super specific. I'm like, listen, like, don't worry about where you're taking the course, like just learn the skills. Like there are so many HTML and CSS classes out there. There's probably even like hundreds or thousands, you know, from Udemy to Treehouse to Code School to da da da. It's like, just, you know, get the skills. Don't spend too much time worrying about where you're getting the skills, especially if it's a free or affordable option. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's a really good, uh, good way of looking at things. Yeah, uh, with, I agree with you with respect to school education. I think that things, I'm here in the UK and, um, there, there have been a lot of initiatives to improve, uh, sort of computer education in schools. But yeah, there's, there's still a long way to go. Like you said, a lot of people don't even know that it's an option, especially a career option. Well, that's all the questions I have for you today. Um, that was that was really interesting to get your perspective on all these things. Um, just one final thing is I would like to you to tell our listeners where they can connect with you, where they can follow you online. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can find me at Learn to Code with Me, and the URL is Learn to Code with dot me. And you can also find me in my Facebook group, and that is Newbie Coder Warehouse. If you go to newbiecoderwarehouse.com, there's a button right on the page that if you click it, you'll be brought there within you know, two seconds. So you can check me out in those places. Okay, that's great. We'll, we'll include all of these links in the show notes. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks very much, Lauren. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure talking to you as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. That was Laurence Bradford of Learn to Code with Me. Check out her website at learntocodewith.me. You've been listening to the Lernato podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you like the podcast, please review us on iTunes so that more people can find it. You can also find all our episodes on our website at lernato.com slash podcast. See you next time.